Hello and welcome to Scoop FM, the official podcast of Shad Dynasty League, one of many leagues that counts. We're doing a different kind of show today. I have tragic news. My MacBook charger has ceased working. So now I have to look for options online. You can go to Best Buy, buy an official Apple one. They last longer, but they're like 80 fucking dollars and they always break on me. So I got to go to Amazon and get one. That won't be here for a couple days. Maybe even after Christmas with all the demand. Some of you are saying, Dan, just wait. Just wait. Don't, don't put out a podcast. How are you, what are you, recording this through a tin can? No, I'm doing it on my phone, thank you very much. And I don't appreciate that sort of language or sass. But will I say, what I will say is this. While there's no Devin today, I'm riding solo. There's no intro music. There's no fun songs. There's not even a chance for me to edit if I slip up. So you're going to hear some mistakes, but maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need a Scoop FM unfiltered, raw, honest, just two friends shooting the shit, just talking, like two guys back and forth, sharing a beer, holding a wing at both ends, nibbling it and kissing when we get to the middle, just like guys do. And maybe that's what's needed because, you know, just like the National Football League or the NCAA, so Dynasty League is an empire, and no sports empire is without its controversies. And I hate to say it, but controversy has found its way to our doorstep once again. So let's just detail that now. Let's get right into it. We're talking about the shit playoffs. Now see, formally, one through four would play in a tournament-style uh, competition where whoever won in the tournament, got the first overall pick. Then two, then three, then four. Now, in the early days, some teams felt that put them at an incredible disadvantage because a lot of times that seven and eight seed was a bubble playoff team. We have a very competitive, very balanced league. Okay? But other times, 10 and nine, tend to be guys that need help. Okay, so we decided that's not fair. From now on, 10 and 9 will play each other for two straight weeks for the number one overall pick. 8 and 7 will do the same for 3 and 4. See much more balance. Last year worked fine. And this year, nothing that crazy happened. Nate and Matt met in the end. Nate set a good lineup. Then I met with Billy. And Billy, not having any picks, well, he didn't set a good lineup. And let's talk about some things that happened behind the scenes. See, I had Nate's pick. For a long time. I was even approached by one Matt Horvatich at a party saying, oh great, you have Nate's pick. What if he fucks you? He doesn't have any of his picks except for a third rounder. What if he fucks you and tanks in the playoffs? And I said, well, that's possible. Anybody can do that. When you get someone's pick, there's no guarantee they're going to try for you. There's no guarantee they're going to advance in the playoffs. So I made a deal with Nate earlier in the year. We had a trade. And I threw an extra, paid above market prices for what I received in return for the guarantee that he would set a good lineup in the playoffs. Since I knew that such thing is no guarantee without explicitly asking for it, paying for it, getting it. And so I got it. Now, the thing is, is I didn't know where Nate would end up. I'm not targeting anyone in this mess. I mean, I even lost a game to Nate. It could have been that Nate and I met as the 7 and 8 seed. And in that scenario, what the fuck did I pay him for? He doesn't need to start a good lineup against me. I have my own picks. 
So I didn't know where he'd end up, but I did it. Now some of you will say, huh, that doesn't seem totally right. It's a legal move. When you get someone's pick, you got no obligation to start or try in the playoffs if you have nothing to go for. You act in your own best interest. It's a legal move. Let me, let me give you a scenario like this. Let's say that, I don't know, Eric and Nate had met for the first overall pick. Let's say I had Nate's pick, as I do now. But let's say, in an odd turn of events, Nate had Eric's first rounder. And Eric still had his own second. So, from Nate's perspective, if he wins that playoff matchup, and Nate doesn't have any other picks, if he wins that playoff matchup, then he would get the number one pick and give it to me. Eric would get the number two pick, and Nate would be stuck with that. So why does he want to do that? He doesn't want to win that game. And from Eric's perspective, sure, he wants to win that game. He doesn't have his first round pick either way, and winning can vault him from 12 to 11. Not a huge jump, but worth it. So Nate, acting in his own self-interest in that scenario, would probably just lose the game. Not give a fuck. Why try? Now, am I getting screwed over in that? Sure. Sure. I'm not getting the number one overall pick. I'm getting number two. But that's a risk that you take when you trade for someone's pick. They have no obligation to you beyond that to set a good lineup or not. They could do whatever they want by the current rules. Now, maybe the current rules need revised. Maybe we need to make explicit clauses in trades that, hey, if you're dealing with someone for a first-round pick and first-rounders only, second-rounders can't be considered in this, maybe when you're dealing with that, you know, you you come to a deal for a first-round pick and you say, oh, and I want lineup rights. I want you to put forward a good lineup in the playoffs. The guy says, no can do. You got to pay up. I want a third. I want a second two years from now. Maybe that's what we do. Maybe we make it official. If you get a pick without lineup rights, well, in the playoffs, someone else can say, hey, I'll give you a third if you tank and get me a better pick. Sure, whatever. So we don't have anything ironed out. We don't have an official, an official way to track and trade these things. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. It's within our bylaws. Maybe this is just not a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't be doing any tournament. See, when we started this league, there were one or two people that would trade a first-round pick. So it'd be pretty simple. In the playoff structure, almost all the time, when you got into the playoffs, it never helped you to lose a game. You always wanted to win. Well, now we're facing fucked-up situations where people have traded almost every single pick that can be traded. Only Eric and I have our original picks in the first round. Everyone is traded. And other people are in the first round, but they have other picks. And sometimes they're literally matching up against the guy that has their pick. And he has theirs. It's it's completely fucked. So maybe this doesn't work anymore. Maybe the trading has gotten too out of control. Maybe once you're out of the playoffs, we just go by rank. That's who gets it. Maybe that's it. Maybe points... Maybe, maybe rank doesn't make sense because people could tank the rest of the season to get lower, and then we have a lot of uncompetitive games. Maybe we do a best ball format where every week I see what's your highest potential score if you set your best lineup. I track that week to week, and as soon as you're out of the playoffs, I take everybody that you're out with, whether it's the first four teams or two teams as the uh, actual playoffs go on, and I rank them by their potential point scores. And that's who get it. I don't care. We can change the rules if people don't think this is fair. I think it's fun. I'm open to anything. Let's get to the other controversy, which is Billy. So Billy doesn't have any of his picks. He has a second rounder, doesn't have a first. Billy's pissed off. He was about a half point away from being in the playoffs and potentially making a run with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. 
I mean, he was pissed off. He comes to me saying that, hey, I don't feel like anybody who has my pick deserves the number three overall. I'm a fucking playoff team, and I'm pissed off. When I gave up this pick, I figured it would be eight or nine, not three. I'm pissed off. I'm considering tanking my lineup. He asked me, naturally, what's that worth to you? I said, well, if you tank your lineup, then your second round pick will go down. So I'll swap you seconds, so that way you're not hurt if you were to do something like that. And he does it. Again, shady? Maybe. You can make an argument there. But not illegal. Not illegal. And now that Bill has a different second round pick, whether that was made, that trade, or that was made weeks ago, it would be in his own interest to tank. He'd have no reason to try. He'd have no reason. Especially because he had my second round pick. If he had my second all along, it's better for him to tank. I mean, there's no reason. So everyone's going to act in their own self-interest. Now, you could be mad at this outcome. You could say this isn't fair. But here's the thing. You can't be mad at both. Because you either take one position or the other. You take the position that everybody should try in the playoffs no matter what their situation is. Okay? So if, it's that, if that's the case, you can't be mad at Nate. Because all Nate did was set a lineup. He's trying in the playoffs no matter what his situation is. Or you think that, oh, when you don't have any picks, screw everybody. You could just tank and say, fuck it. Well, then you can't be mad at Bill. So it's one way or the other. You can't be mad at both. Now, we'll get, to, we'll get to really why you can't be mad. Because, spoiler alert, none of this actually mattered. None of this mattered. And I, and I know you're thinking, what the hell? How does that not matter? I'll get to it. But that's the thing. When you get somebody's pick, they can't fuck you in the current system from three to nine. They can't do you dirty like that. They have the ability to move within one spot. They can try for you and get you the better pick by one slot, or they don't try and you don't go up. You stay down at one slot. It's not a big deal. That's what happens. So you have to have the freedom to decide and understand when you take a pick, you're basically guaranteed within a band of two picks. You know, I'm guaranteed within this slot. I'm guaranteed one or two, three or four, five or six, seven or eight, nine or ten. No, it used to be you could have someone's pick and expect number one overall, and they lose the playoffs, and you go down to four. I mean, that's not happening anymore. But you can't expect everybody's just going to try. And when we're talking about two different situations, one where a guy is setting a good lineup and one where a guy is tanking his lineup, you can't be mad at both. You have to think one way or the other. The people without picks shouldn't care and should just tank their lineups, or everybody should set a good lineup. So you got to choose your spot. But I got bad news. Here's why neither of them mattered. Let's get to Bills first, because I have a feeling that Bills seems a little more controversial. So I took the liberty of actually going through each week and seeing what was Bills' highest projected lineup, and how did those guys score, despite him not playing it. Let me read that lineup to you so you know I did the legwork. In both weeks, quarterbacks were Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan. Running backs, Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. Receivers, Tyreek Hill, DJ Chark, Tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Defense, the Colts. Kicker, Will Lutz. Seahawks head coach. His first week flex positions were James Conner, Tyler Boyd, and Damian Harris. Okay. I'm not lying on that. Those were his highest projected options. Bill's got some studs up top, but he's a little weak at the flex position. And then guess what? Conner and Harris are hurt in games that week. So the next week, his best options were Snell, Tyler Boyd, and Richard Hollywood Higgins. Those are his best lineups. Okay? Best projected lineups. Now let's see, what were the total of those lineups? What would those end up as? Okay. If he had started those lineups in both those weeks, 
he would be at 260.88. Well, I got bad news for you. My lineup that I actually did start was 275.84. So actually, Bill could set his best lineup, which sounded pretty good, and he still doesn't beat me. So if anybody should be pissed, it should be me. Because Bill, the Bills Mafia comes and shakes me down and says, hey, wh- what's it worth to you? What's a little protection and insurance worth to you? I pay to go down from 11 to 14 in the second round to get the third overall pick, and I get fucked. I should have I stood my ground and said, fuck you, Bill. I believe in my boys. I believe that we have the guts to beat you and beat Mahomes and beat Tyreek Hill. Because I got a sick fucking newsletter for all of you. Do you know who the best two quarterbacks to have in this entire league have been over the past two weeks? Combined scores. Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yes, it's happening. Hurts is happening. Hurts is happening. You let him fall a little too far. 18 was a bridge too far. Zach Moss over Jalen Hurts. Come on now. Michael Pittman Jr. Give me an effing break. Okay, give me a fucking break. And anyways, I had Tony Pollard come on. I had good weeks. And here's the sick thing, too. I didn't even start a kicker either of the two weeks. I didn't even check who my kicker was. Didn't even pick one. Keep that in mind. Because you could tell me, well, Dan, you're making an assumption here. You're making the assumption that Bill just sets his highest projected lineup. Which, of course, the projections are based on the defensive matchups, how the player's been scoring. That's ESPN projections. They're not always right. But a lot of us tend to kind of just... Boop, 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 put people up and down and then look at that total. Up, oh, the total's bigger. You know, maybe a guy has a difference between one point or two and you'll think about, oh, should I swap that guy out? Well, I'll give Bill a favor here. I'm going to set his best fucking lineup. Let's assume that Bill was just Nostradamus over those past couple weeks. He knew exactly what to do. He knew that he should play Rashard Higgins in week one over his matchups. Yeah, he fucking under, he knew that that was the play over DJ Chark. I don't think he would have. He knew that Kirk Cousins, despite being on the road against a Bucks defense, was a better start than Matt Ryan at home for a Chargers defense that's been weak all year. Say he knew that, which I don't think he really did, okay? And we've already given him the better of the two defenses, the Colts in both scenarios, even though we know he struggled between picking the Colts and the Patriots both times. Oh, and let's say for another reason, let's say that he just happened to know that Will Lutz, he had a better kicker in both weeks as well. I mean, (laughs) I don't think he would have really understood that, but maybe he did. Maybe he knew that Will Lutz was the worst guy to start in those two weeks. So we give him those additional points. Now he gets to 289.38. Okay, as I said, naturally, I scored 275.84. So given the bill is fucking unbelievable, can can pick every single lineup and does it perfectly, sets his absolute perfect lineup, then he beats me by 14 points. But in a situation where Bill is actually trying, guess what? My bench is filled with fucking nobodies, Colin Johnson, all these people, because I know I'm not taking a kicker into the draft, so I don't fucking need one. So yes, I need 14 points to win, if Bill sets a good lineup and sets his best lineup possible and starts guys he hadn't started all year who were in worse matchups and somehow knew they would be better. Because we already went over. If he went over his projected lineup, I win easily by 30 points. Now, if he's Nostra fucking Domus and knows the best lineup, okay, then I lose by 14. But guess what? If he was setting a good lineup, you know what I would have done? Had a kicker. Had a kicker. Maybe even a head coach. Seven points. Per week, between a kicker and a head coach, 
Need a head coach that wins twice and a kicker that scores five points every week. Say I don't need to get that risky. I just go with the kicker. Seven points per week on average? The average kicking score in general is like eight or nine. I mean, I could have a guy get 15 in one week and nothing the next week and fucking have won. And say, you give me the goddamn courtesy that we're giving to Bill. Let's say I'm the fucking genius and I'm also setting my best possible lineup, okay? If I do that, I get an extra 32.6 points than I have right now, which would make me beat Bill again by 18. It literally does not matter. I fucked myself. I didn't realize Jalen Hurts would be a god amongst men, and I didn't realize that Tony Pollard was all I needed on my lineup. I didn't know those things. So I chickened out, and I gave in to tyranny. But that's okay, because it didn't fucking matter. The third overall pick was always mine. In any universe, in any simulation, I come out on top and get this third overall pick. So you can't be mad about that. You just, you just can't. Okay, And let's go to the Nate matchup, which I don't think you can really be mad at a guy for starting his best lineup. I mean, is the difference between 31 and 32 that big of a deal? Well, maybe you say, no, it's not. Uh, Last year, 31 was Ayuk, and 32 was what, Denzel Mims? You know what? Let's do this live. I'm not even going to look at my phone. I'm going to pull out the fucking board. Let's pull out the goddamn board right now and see. Can you hear that? You hear that board opening up? All right, 30 was... All right, oh, sorry. Sorry, not the difference between... It's the difference between 21 and 22. Yep, 21. Brandon Ayuk to Nick. 22, Bill to Mims. Well, guess what? I'm doing a redraft of this class, and I'm going to tell you what. Ayuk is a minimum of a high second-round pick. Ayuk was a first-round pick, whereas Mims was a third-round pick to a much better team and a much better coach with a clear situation. And guess what? I got bad news for Mims. You lost the Trevor Lawrence lottery. So I don't know who, what your team is doing. If they're keeping Darnold, the gap between 21 and 22 is actually big. So Nate has motivation. Nate's got motivation to set a good lineup, as it is. He didn't need my help. But guess what? Turns out, Nate, Nate did the right thing. But let me tell you this. We're all in charge of our own destinies here, and I'm going to throw some situations at you. Let's say that Eric had played Irv Smith over in Evan Ingram. Knowing that Evan Ingram fucking sucks and that Irv Smith didn't have Kyle Rudolph, that gives him an extra 10.5 points. Let's say he played Hollywood Brown over Corey Davis in an easy matchup against a shitty Brown secondary. That gives him 8.6 points. CeeDee Lambs over Robert Woods gives him 3 points. Come on, you should be starting CeeDee, especially against the fucking Bengals. And if he had benched the Steelers coach, don't even get me started on the Steelers, he gets an additional 2 points back. That's from the first round. Let's go to the second round. If he starts Gore over Jamal Williams, Jamal fucking Williams, he gets 12 and a half points. CeeDee Lamb over Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel was known not to be the starter. Stafford was activated at like 11 a.m. You took a zero there for no reason and left CeeDee Lamb on your bench after one great performance last week. Pascal, Zach Pascal over Amari Cooper gives 19.6 points. Le'Veon Bell over Peyton fucking Barber? You traded a first for Le'Veon Bell. At least give him a shot over Peyton Barber. That's 7.1 points. And if you bench the fucking Steelers coach again because they suck, you get another two points. And you could tell me, Dan... Why are you going over these? Some of these are unrealistic. Nobody would think about this. Come on. You're going to have them start Le'Veon and, and Frank Gore. I mean, Frank Gore had a tough matchup against the Rams. Le'Veon, it wasn't known that Clyde was going to go down. Okay, take one of those 10-point differentials off the way. But you know what 10-point you got to fucking give me that you can't take away? Starting Chubb over Peyton Barber. Not getting rid of Chubb. 
And you know what that makes it? You lost by 40. You start Chubb, you lose by 30, 28. How many points did I just riddle off that you could have done? That's a difference of 78 and a half. You lost by 40. You start Chubb, so we take that possibility away. Okay, now that's 68 and a half potentially out there. And you lost by 30. In both situations, you do half of those moves. You fucking start CeeDee Lamb over Chase Daniel, who's inactive. If you don't have a second quarterback, it's okay. It's super flex. You can play anybody. That gives you 30 extra points. Now you're down 10. You make one better decision, and you actually won the number one overall pick, and I don't get jack fucking shit. I get two. But you know what? All's fair in love and war. If I got two, I got two. And if I gave Nate extra in a deal where I way overpaid to ensure that he would start in the playoffs, I'm going to eat that. Just like I'm eating it with Bill because it didn't matter with fucking Bill. I could have beat him. The point is, Eric could have beat Nate. We're all in charge of our own destiny. We just got to stand up and grab it by the fucking balls and do it. Now, here's the thing. Let's talk about this too. So, I think we all need to heal. That got me very heated. We all need to heal. That's what this is about. We've got a great year upcoming. We've got an exciting draft. Another absolutely stacked draft class. Here's the thing. One and and three versus two and four. Okay, so last year, one and three got you Burrow and Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, Burrow and J.K. Dobbins. Two and four got you CEH and Jonathan Taylor. Those are both good hauls. Those are both fine hauls. And that's not even that's not even the right that's not even the right order that these guys should have gone. Look, if I'm if I'm just doing this off the top of my head, if I had to redo the draft, well, number one is Herbert, and number three is Jonathan Taylor. But two is Burrow, and four is DeAndre Swift. I mean, those are that's that's pretty fucking good. You're in charge of your own destiny. You got you got ammunition. If you want a guy and you're afraid someone's going to get him, you got to move up. That's the way it goes. But anyways, let's heal. Come on. Enough of this enough of, enough of this bad fucking juju. Let's just heal. And before we go, let's get into the only trade that we had. We had a uh so Matt gave up Daniel Jones, his 2021 first round pick and a 2022 third round pick in exchange to Eric for Nick Chubb. Now I already detailed how Nick Chubb would have got him a lot closer to winning one versus two in his battle for a pick. So take that with a grain of salt, however, however you want to shake that out. Now, obviously on its face, this is not a good trade. That's not proper value for Chubb. He, you should have also gotten a 2022 first, maybe a 2024 first. I mean, we're talking Nick Chubb here. You have Matt against the wall, knowing that Chris Carson is routinely banged up. McCaffrey is probably not going to be there for him. Sure, his quarterbacks are studs, but he needs a running back. You could have milked him for a lot. You've seen what people have. People paid more for David Montgomery this year. People have paid more for Leonard Fournette three times in the past year and a half. Nick Chubb should have gotten more. And I know Matt can seem like he's a master manipulator, and a great um, and a great guy like to, at, at negotiation, but you could have squeezed a little more juice out of that lemon, is my point. But I get the thinking, because at this point, 
you want picks. You want picks. Like I said. Now you're going from, let's just, let's, okay, you know, so you're at two. So I think the hate at Fields, the, the, the Fields disrespect has gotten a little out of control. I get it. A bad game against Northwestern, but not a lot of practices, missing a ton of players. They're totally out of sync. It's a fucked COVID year, okay? I'm sorry. It's fucked for him. Like, you're going to put Zach Wilson ahead of him? Okay, his best team he played was Coastal, and he got wrecked. I can make the same excuses for him, though. They scheduled that game the week of. They had no idea they were going to play that game. They wanted to get another eligible game. They wanted to get against a ranked team. They decided that on Tuesday, flew cross-country on Thursday, and played a game Friday. Kid had no time to prepare, and a dude dropped an easy touchdown pass that actually gives them the dub. Didn't have his greatest game. I'm not going to hold it against him, but I'm not going to put him over fields for that. I'm not just, I'm just not. I haven't seen enough against Zach Wilson against any good competition. Now, Fields is a little out of sorts. He's going to need Clemson. But here's the thing. Even if the NFL draft, even if the Jets don't want him at two, that's fine. They get a former GM, uh, a former O-line as GM, O-lineman as GM. Maybe he wants to just give them another tackle, swing Mackay Becton to right tackle, which I think he actually maybe played in college, get Penny Sewell on left tackle, and literally have the greatest pocket protection in the NFL. He gets two or three decent guards, you know, one in the draft, a couple in free agency. Um, I mean, they're going to have the best line in the O line in the league overnight. It's going to be insane. Maybe he does that. Doesn't go Fields. Maybe Fields falls to five or six. Who knows? But let me tell you this: when the combine starts and all those quarterbacks are standing next to each other, and you see the towering figures of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Kyle Trask, and you see them in their bulked-out, muscly glory. And then you see scrawny little Mormon Zach Wilson with his blonde Cody, Zach, sweet life of Zach and Cody haircut, smiling. Yeah, he's got some height. Fucking scrawny though. Skinny kid. And you have these guys standing next to each other. And then you do the bench presses. And you see the 40s. And you see, oh, Fields is pretty fucking fast. And you see the completion drills. And you say, huh, when Fields is uh, not pressured, he hits the ball. He's incredibly accurate. You can talk about his, um, his inefficiencies in reading a defense or holding on to the ball too long, always waiting for the big play. A lot of things that can be coached. When you see the mechanics fucking fluid, uh, less teams are going to have questions about him, I guarantee you. So, and, and some people, actually, prior to this string of bad games, were saying, shit, I'd rather have Justin Fields than Trevor Lawrence on the Jets. And I don't know how you feel about the Jags now that the Jags should have Still, who the fuck knows? Look at every single draft and tell me that one through four were rightfully picked one through four and the order should not be changed. It never happens. Every year in this league, we're wrong. Every year, I can do a podcast for the next five years going back and redrafting everyone. And guess what? Not only is it going to change after the first year, it's probably going to continue to change in the years after that. Because I just did one for 2019 at the start of the season, and it went Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, 1-2. Daniel Jones is not that high anymore. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. Anyways, it's going to change. But let's just work it out. So at two, you get Justin Fields. Okay, three and four, it's some combination of Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. It comes down to landing spot at this point. We know that. Potentially Jamonte Williams if he went to the Steelers or something. Okay, but basically one of the best two. So you get one of the top three running backs. And you can make a choice. If you think I have three, I'm going to take your guy. Give me a second round pick next year. I might not be that sold on him, you know? I mean, who the fuck knows? So you're going to get Justin Fields, generational talent. You're going to get one of the top three running backs. And then your next pick is like seven. 
Okay, and at there, take Jamar Chase. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of the best receiving seasons we've seen in years. And consider the just Jamar Jefferson, um, or Justin Jefferson, literally was second fiddle to this guy and played outside his sophomore season and then moved to the slot when Jamar Chase uh, came up into his sophomore season. So just consider that, that this guy literally pushed Justin Jefferson outside of the outside and into the slot because he was that fucking good. And that he took all the coverage that um, Justin Jefferson got, he got the better guy. He got the stronger corner on him. And just consider that he had a better season by all metrics. So you're, you're going to get maybe the best, one of the best receivers with CeeDee Lamb. I mean, unreal. So, I mean, then at 10, which is likely Matt's pick, now you have Daniel Jones too. Okay, additional quarterback depth. But if I had a second-round pick, I'd just be throwing darts on whoever's around, uh, maybe rather than Daniel Jones. I mean, he'll start for one more year. Maybe he could put it together Josh Allen-esque. Maybe. But he's a decent, he's a decent QB3. But then at 10, I mean, now what are you getting? Like, you're getting... Whoever's kind of left of the top running backs, it's not a very deep class. You're getting another stud receiver, that's fine, but you know, you're kind of loaded there. I just don't, I don't love it. I, I look at the boards and I think if Chubb is there, what's better? Let's, 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 okay, let's do this. Let's say what, what, what our picks would have been. So right now, Eric's looking at CEH, Jonathan Taylor, um, and then if he has 10, Justin Herbert. Wait, does he only have three? No, he has four. He has seven, too. Sorry. Seven was uh, CeeDee Lamb. And then, yeah, Justin Herbert at 10. Okay. So, yeah, that's a pretty good fucking year. I mean, without the, without, you could say, do you want Justin Herbert or do you want Daniel Jones and Nick Chubb? Well, that's tough, except that we're not drafting Justin Herbert this year. He might not go 10. So, let, let's talk about if I did my redraft, where what these picks would have been. So, one... Would have been Herbert. Two's Burrow. So you're starting off with Burrow. That's fucking great. Three is Jonathan Taylor. Four is DeAndre Swift. Now you got DeAndre Swift. Burrow and, and DeAndre Swift. That's fucking great. Um, five is probably Justin Jefferson. Six is Antonio Gibson. And seven. This one's tough. You could stay CD. Uh, you could dip into another running back. Maybe. Who am I forgetting? Mm, I don't know if I've seen enough from Cam Akers. You know, but... You have options there. Maybe Tua. Maybe Jalen Hurts. That's a really good draft. Now when you get to 10, okay, now we're talking about T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, uh, maybe CEH. Yeah, sure. I think I'd rather have Chubb than any of those guys. So I don't love the trade, but I get, I get, the, I get the policy. Because basically now, you know that you have a quarterback three, which you needed. You get Justin Fields at two, which we know you're going to do. You got to do it. Okay, now you have Fields and Dak. Once gets a job somewhere, that's okay. If Trubisky gets a job somewhere, gets another start, that's okay. And you have Daniel Jones in case neither of those guys are starting, so you have a QB3. But you're good with Dak and Fields. You're, you're more than set, actually. Now that you have the extra pick at 10, kind of gives you the leeway to say, and with the security of Daniel Jones, okay, now I don't have to reach for another quarterback in round one, feeling like I need a quarterback three. You know, getting a Mac Jones who might end up like, Daniel Jones' career trajectory anyways. Instead of burning a pick on that, I can go three straight running backs. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, I still think, I don't know. I think, you know, you wait till the offseason, and I just think you could have got more out of Matt. That's all I think. Well, anyways, we spent far too long on that. 
Let's uh let's get into the matchups and discuss them. We we beat the we beat the shit playoffs to death. So let's get to the real thing. In the first round of our playoffs, we did have Drew as the third round pick selecting Bob as his competitor and Matt, and sorry, and then Devin and Dave facing each other. Drew and I did text about this. I said, "Hmm, I don't know. It's tough. I probably wouldn't go with um Dave just because of Russell Wilson and all the running backs he has." Turns out that was good advice. But then I said, I don't know. Who would you rather play against? Would you rather play against Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson or Tua and Jared Goff? And maybe that was a little short-sighted because Kareem Hunt, David Montgomery had some big fucking games for Bob. Big games. And Tua just smashed as well. Uh, Goff did okay. But, oh, don't forget Akers as well. Um, Whereas for Devin, Deshaun Watson, eh, he had a down game. So, yeah. If if Drew beats, if Drew picks Devin, he does win. But on the other hand, uh, it doesn't really fucking matter because if he beats Devin, but the next round, I mean, Michael Thomas is like on IR, on IR Julio's out. Um, I mean, the team was kind of falling apart a little bit there. And when we see the kind of scores that were put up in next week, uh, it wouldn't have mattered. But anyways. Bob did defeat Drew, even though he was selected 180.52 to 153.36. Yes, we talked about Goff was serviceable. Akers, nearly 20 points. David Montgomery, over 20. Devontae Adams, nearly 20. Um, uh, Kenyon Drake with 15. Kareem Hunt, over 20. And Tua with 27. The Rams defense with 20. Talked a lot about how Bob has basically stolen Dave's identity, just having Goff, Rams defense, Cam Akers, and it paid dividends in this first round. I'll tell you what, it truly did. On um, on da- on Drew's side, Taysom Hill was serviceable. Derrick Henry was a stud, along with AJ Brown. But just outside of that, and David Derek Carr had a good game. I mean, the guy scored 155. It was a good week. You know, uh, Naeem Hines, Michael Thomas, Johnu Smith, Justin Jefferson. Jarvis Landry, a lot of his flex, they lead, they left something to be desired. But honestly, he pay, played close to about the best lineup he could have. And it just wasn't enough. You know, Bob Bob had a lot of firepower that round. And as we mentioned, Dave defeated Devin 162.22 to 143.96 for Mr. David. Russell Wilson playing okay, smashed the Jets, but didn't have a huge game. You know, Kamara and Cook, you're feeling good about that. Jacobs with a down game, Mike Davis with another big one, and and Ben, I don't want to talk about it. But regardless, on Devin's side, when you look here, I mean, yeah, it felt like a game he could have won. Minus four for the Ravens defense in a shootout against the Browns. I think, you know, going into that game, he maybe needed like, what, 14 from them to really fuck up Baker and win this, and going minus four was not great. Deontay Johnson, Curtis Samuel, Clyde on a bit of a slouch. Uh, DeAndre Swift not being too impressive. And a, sort of a down game from Deshaun. Despite big games from Miles Sanders and Aaron Rodgers, Miles Sanders looking completely unlocked. Thanks to your starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts. Told you that was going to happen a long time ago. Um, did Devin have a way to win this one? Eh, no, no. Not quite. I mean, yeah, he could have kept it closer, but... No, not a way to squeak this one out. So they advance to the next round. Now, the interesting part of it all is that um, now that, of course, left um, what's his, what Drew and Devin to play each other for pick positioning. Now that one and four have been selected in, in that final week, they played one week. 
for five and six. But here was the fucked up thing. Drew gave his first round pick to Devin. Oh, sorry. They would, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. They exchanged in a pick swap, which by the way, heading into this year, nobody thought this would actually transact. Where if Devin won in the first, if, or sorry, if Devin ended up with a higher pick than Drew, Drew gets his pick and Devin gets the lower one. Otherwise, they don't do a swap at all. The swap is canceled. Yeah, I mean, good for Drew because I think a lot of people thought Devin was going to be way closer to 10 than, um, you know, bounce in the first round of the playoffs, but it happens. But regardless, Drew gave his first round to me. Devin gave his first round pick to Eric, but Eric gave me his third highest third first round pick. And since we've already got his and Billy's on the board, that means it's Devin's. So whether the swap happens or not, well, no matter what, I have both of their picks. So the first round did not matter at all to them. Um, Drew gave his uh, second round. Oh, sorry. He was going to conduct a uh, swap with Billy if he had finished worse than Billy, but he finished better. So that swap canceled. But regardless of that, um, Drew still had his pick and Devin gave him his pick in the second round. So it doesn't matter. Basically, the first and the second round were set. The first both belonged to me. The second both belonged to Drew. In the third round, Devin gave his pick to Eric. Uh, Drew gave his to Dave's. So that's the only people that really it mattered here. Drew didn't really have a great lineup to set at that point. We mentioned um, some of his lineup difficulties. But regardless, regardless, um, it, didn't, it, it just all that it ended up being was that Devin did win. So that would give Eric, what, 25 and would give Dave 26 in the third round. So not, not an exciting matchup there, but that's what happens. You trade so many fucking picks by the end of it. You know, it doesn't really matter that much. Going on to the second round of the playoffs, now we've awakened the beast, the holy bye teams, to see where they could. And Nick just put another complete smackdown on him. Another complete smackdown. This is who would have played Drew. Or, oh, I'm sorry. No, he was number one overall, wasn't he? Um, yes, he, Drew would have played Matt. But I su- suggest, I'm pretty sure even if he played his best Matt lineup, he still loses that one. But Nick had one of the classic Hallmark games he's had for a lot of this season that has really put him and the Case Keenum nation on the map. He beat Dave 199.82 to 132.84. Hey, I think Dave was bounced, you know, on the three-year playoff streak. I think the first two years uh, he was bounced in the first round. And, hey, all it took was giving up Mahomes to get bounced in the second round this year. So you got to feel good about that. Um, Russell Wilson facing a, a tough Washington defense did not live up to the hype. Neither did Cooper Cup in an embarrassing showing to the Jets. Just completely fucked Robbie Anderson, Mike Davis, stinky, stinky, stinky boys. Stephon Diggs, yeah, 147 yards, but the team scored almost 50 on Denver. You'd have liked to see a touchdown or two there, but, you know, Dalvin Jacobs, your stalwart, so to speak, pretty good. And Ben, just let's not fucking talk about it. On Nick's side, you're welcome. You gave me Drew's first-round pick. You gave me five overall for one Mr. Ryan Tannehill, and you also gave me Pollard, and I gave you MVS, but it worked out for you. This is why I traded back for him in the first place. I saw that playoff schedule, 37 points. Hoo-wee! Knew that was coming up. Maybe he can keep that magic going, headed into the championship. Aaron Jones, also with a big week. Calvin Ridley, looking like a one these days. I'm thinking the future might be pretty bright there when Julio's gone. I know he's been on and off the field, but I don't think we talk about that enough. Darren Waller, again, dominating. DeAndre Hopkins with a big game. I mean, this is just perfect. 
DJ Moore taking all the opportunities away from Robbie and Mike on the other side. You gotta love it. And Tom Brady, the other quarterback, he gave his own first round pick for to Bob, scoring a nice point, giving him in the mix. Dave clearly had no way to win this one with a 60 point deficit. In our other round, Matt, another one seed defeats the lowly entrance trying to come for the big boys at the top of each division 156.8 to 125.26 for Matt it's basically Josh Allen and Kyler Murray as we've seen all year literally again 70 points between the two of them and I've been saying this it doesn't really fucking matter who he's starting in his flex when that happens Juju could go for minus a half point Chase Claypool 4.8 Chris Carson 6.9 Wayne Gallman, 2-9. Doesn't matter. J.D. McKissick, again, with Gibson out, looking nice. Could have been Gibson's points. Then I would have really smacked Billy around no matter what happened. Um, Russell Gage, decent game. Travis Kelsey. But again, 70 points from those guys. That's all it needs. And I mean, you look, you put your game, you put yourself around the uh, the Rams and you think, hey, they got the Jets. Great matchup for Goff, Akers, and the Rams defense. But no, was not the case there. David Montgomery been in, being a superstar in this playoff run, uh, was not enough to salvage this game, and neither was Leonard Fournette, thanks to a Ronald Jones inactive. Um, you know, Bob loses by about 31, but just no way to win this one. Uh, did as best as he could, but that's it. So, you might be asking, hey, Dan, whatever happened to that cross-off thing? You're supposed to cross off a team each week. Well, I lucked out, because heading into, what, the six-man playoffs, there were six teams available I had crossed out five. So after that, oh, sorry, no, I had to have crossed out, what, three of the six already? I'd already crossed out Matt. I chose him that week. I had already crossed out um, Drew and Bob. Right, so I only had Dave, Devin, and Nick heading into the playoffs. So after the first week, easy choice, Dave and Devin faced each other, so I cross off Devin. Now I've only got Dave and Nick, and again, they played each other, so I cross off Dave. So I didn't really have to keep up with this. Basically, heading into the championship, it would be much more interesting if I hadn't crossed off Matt and I crossed off Billy way back then, because then I could actually make a final pick. But I already crossed off Matt, trying to throw some bad juju his way. Um, So I'm crossing off Dave. He's already eliminated. And so then my pick is Nick. And as much as I hate to give it up to the bullshit division, I would hate it a lot, lot more If Matt won two in a row, I would hate it a lot. So, Nick, uh, you're our last fucking hope, buddy. Please, please, please don't let him do this to us again. Please, for the love of God! Um, Anyways... Oh, that also makes the interesting matchup. That now, now everything's been determined. We got picks one through six. The order of the final standings goes Nate, Eric, me, Bill, Devin, and Drew. Of course, we we'll have to figure out who has whose pick in each round because of all that craziness. So now what we got to find out is seven and eight. That is between Bob and Dave. And remember, this round of the playoffs a little different, folks. The winner gets $50. And with a cash prize, takes the eighth overall pick. The loser gets the seventh overall pick as a consolation for a great season and making it to the semifinals. And let's see, in the realm of picks, what do we have going on with those two? What's even important? So Bob has given his first round to Eric, and Dave has given his first round to Bob. Ah, so this is like that situation I was talking about earlier, where Bob is playing Dave, 
Like, he has no fucking reason to want to set a good lineup and fuck himself, right? I mean, he could get, he could beat Dave and give Eric the seventh overall pick and then take the eighth overall pick for himself. Or he could let Dave win and get the seventh overall pick and give Eric the eighth. So, I mean, that's just how it goes. Dave, yeah, um, in the second round, Bob has given his pick to me. So, downstream, I'm going to be fucked by that. I'm going from 17 to 18 because I know Bob is not going to want to win this one. Um, Dave gave his to Drew. So, you know, Drew Drew is the chance to benefit. If this happens, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen because this is the thing about this round. Now, Bob loses. Oh, wait a second. No, this is interesting. I got it fucked up. So Bob has Dave's pick. So he wants Dave to lose. So he wants to beat Dave. He wants to beat Dave and get the 50 bucks. So see how that's fucked up. Because normally the cash prize is enough to entice you to try for it, even if you don't have your picks. But this time he's got double incentive. He tries for it, wins the game, gets the better pick, and the $50 because he has Dave's. Oh, it's genius. And then his pick would be the eighth pick. So this is a situation where Bob's going to try to win and actually fuck Eric in the first round and fuck me in the second round. But I can't blame him because that's in his best interest to do so. In the second round, yeah, okay. Then where's, where's Dave? Okay, so then that would give Drew the worst pick. And then the third round, Bob gives his pick to Bill and Dave gives his to Bob again. So yeah, he's got double incentive. He's got triple incentive. If he wins this, it's $50 plus the better pick in the first and the third rounds. And anybody that he gave his first and second and third round picks to can go screw because I'm not expecting him to set a good lineup on my behalf just because I want a better second round pick. He's going to do what's best for him. Anyways, I do kind of want to just look ahead to this final week, see what we have going on here. In the championship, oh, they're calling it a close one, boys. They're calling it quite a close one. Um, we've got we've got the truth versus Case Keenum Nation. It's projected 141.4 to 143.2 in favor of Case Keenum Nation. Oh my god, they're not gonna let me see this without a fucking ad. You're shitting my asshole. Anyways, Josh Allen is in New England. You know Shut up. Um, Josh Allen is in New England. That's not a great matchup normally, but with how Cam and that offense is playing, I mean, it's like, is he ever going to start again? I mean, I don't know. Are they, are they ever going to do anything on offense? Like the time of possession there might be unlimited for Josh Allen. Ooh, and it's a Monday night game that might decide the whole goddamn thing. And he's got Kyler Murray Saturday game against San Francisco to start things off. So that will be interesting for Matt. We'll be looking forward to that. David Johnson against Cincinnati. Nick Chubb at the Jets. Wow, some good matchups there. Juju and Chase Claypool against Indiana. Not great. Travis Kelsey against Atlanta. That's a nice matchup. Chris Carson against the Rams. I could go either way. McKissick and Gage. I don't give a shit, but he's got the Browns defense against the Jets. That's pretty good. As for young Nick, Tannehill at Green Bay Sunday night. Nick go one of two ways. Brady at Detroit. That's going to eat. Aaron Jones versus Tennessee. Mm, James Robinson versus Chicago. That's tough. Ridley at Kansas City. I don't know how much I trust Matt Ryan at all. DeAndre Hopkins, San Francisco. Darren Waller versus Miami. DJ Moore at Washington. Terry playing Carolina. 
and Thielen at New Orleans with the Dolphins defense against Las Vegas. I mean, this is going to be a good fucking matchup. If I had to, ESPN is literally saying a 50-50 probability, a complete cop-out. If I had to guess, I would say basically that I would imagine Matt's going to win this one. I just think Josh Allen and um, Kyler Murray are going to do that thing again where they just score 80 points. And I think Nick will have a good game, but but just not enough. And let, let's remind you here, our official rules in Shad Dynasty is that third place gets $50 no matter what. Now, we default to say that $450 of the remaining pot goes to the first-round pick unless the two can come up with an agreement. So I facilitated those talks, and um, to probably no one's surprise, Matt wanted to do winner-take-all. <laughs> and he was pretty adamant about it. But he had a change of heart, and he said, okay, let's do $400 to the winner, $50 to second place. So they'll look forward to that. The winner will get the 10th pick in the draft. The loser will get the 9th pick. doesn't really matter because these guys don't have their first-round picks. Um, you know, Nick gave his to Billy. Matt gave his to Eric. So those guys should be particularly intrigued to see who will end up at 9 and 10 based on who loses this game. That's who gets the better pick. Um, In the second round, Nick gave his to Bob. Uh, Matt still has his, so Bob will want to look for that. And in the third round, uh, Nick has given his to Devin. Matt still has his. So that's it for us. Can't believe it's the end of the year already. Oh, jeez, I miss you guys already. I'm already ready for the draft. I'm actually scared. Normally, I just let the draft come to me. You know what I mean? I say, oh, the top of the draft is like, oh, you got to take this guy. Oh, you got to take this guy. He's projected. Oh, you gotta, if, you're not, if you're not doing that, you got to trade down. It's like too much pressure. Too much pressure. You got you to gotta take this guy just because he's supposed to be the best because everybody's mock draft has you taking him and then you feel like an idiot if you don't and he blows, off, but blows up or blows off or whatever. But the, the truth of it is, is I like waiting. I like, I like hiding in the bushes and waiting and saying, oh, you guys go in the first round. I'll be here at 11, and I'll just take Antonio Gibson. Sure, I might have rather had Justin Jefferson, but the next best running back available after that was Zach Moss. So at 14, I took T. Higgins, right? I could have gone Jefferson and Zach Moss, or I could have gone Gibson and Higgins. I don't know where you land there. That's kind of close for me just because of, uh, normally you say you want to get the best player, but because of positional scarcity with the running backs, and I truly believe Gibson's got the juice to be a real fucking thing and might be closing out the year as the best rookie running back um, in the league thus far had he not gotten an unfortunate turf toe injury against the Steelers. And then at 18, I'm like, let me just take Jalen Hurts. Let me just take the next quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, that's just I like I like letting it wait for me. Now I gotta I gotta make a move now. I gotta I gotta oh everybody says, Oh, you got one overall, we know who you're gonna take. It's like <laughs> Yeah, guys, totally. Totally, dude. It's like um it's like, you know, like I feel like you get attracted to women when you're like growing up in like middle school. It's like, okay, everyone gets boobies and faces, okay? Faces are pretty and boobies are big and squishy and you're like, Oh, that's cute. Then you got friends, you're like, Oh my god, look at her fucking thighs and you're like you like don't don't totally get it yet and you're like <laughs> Oh yeah, man! I I look at those thighs all day, dude. I just uh, wish I wish I um, could uh, squeeze those thighs. I guess and they're like, oh yeah, look at her legs. Look at the legs on that one. And you're like, yeah, totally, dude. I love the um, um the calves are just so um just so formed, and the way her ankles uh go into her feet, it's it's so hot. I mean, um, and then you get into really weird shit with like, come on, look at her pussy. The pussy looks great, dude. Check out that. Yeah, that hairy, sweet, fat pussy, and you're like, 
thinking that that thing looks like fucking Cthulhu and an octopus monster, and you're like, oh my god, it's it's so hot. I I, I can't even look at it. It's so hot. I'm, I'm I'm throwing up because it's so hot. I love girls and I love chicks. That's what it's like to have the first overall pick because everybody's just like, oh yeah, you want that guy. We know who you want. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good players, man. I don't know what I like yet. Give me a fucking second to think about it. So a lot of pressure on me. I'm officially on the clock, but I'll handle that pressure with grace like I always do. And let me give you guys one thing. I might have a lot of picks in the draft. I might have some high picks, but you can always talk to me. I'm always available, always available for a trade, always down to trade down. I'm never afraid to do that. But I will tell you one thing. I am not, not, not making the mistake of some past teams who trade down before the draft starts. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. No way. As my pick comes on the board, that's when it becomes available. When the clock strikes for me, you could come see me at the trade desk and inquire about that pick. But I'm not talking about any pick until the timer is set and we're on the board. So keep your advances away. I don't want them, but keep it in mind because come August, I might. Anyways, this might be our last podcast. I don't normally do that much in the playoffs. We, we know what to look for. We know what the big games are. It doesn't matter. And I normally never go for an hour. And normally, you know, now I just feel so, const- I feel so free. I was so constricted by my garage band and my nice headphones and mic. I just feel free. It's like I could talk all day. I might go for another hour. No, I won't. I won't do that. I'll leave you. I'll leave you with this. It's been a great season. I really, really do not want Matt to win again. I swear to God. I don't know if I could stomach another fucking podcast if he wins again, but I might just have to suck it up and do it. But if this is indeed the last time I speak to you this year, have a great Christmas. Enjoy your family. Hug them close. Just enjoy the things you have. Just look at your teams and say, you know what? Things didn't work out for me. I could be mad, you know, that Dan got all these picks, but I could be mad at Dak Prescott. Because if Dak Prescott was here, oh, let's talk about Dak. If Dak Prescott was in town, then Zeke is fine. Zeke was a top three running back to start the year. If Dak Prescott's in town, Dan holds firm because he knows he has the juice at the flex position with the stud running back on one of the best offenses in the league, knowing that they have a shit defense, which is even better for his running back, knowing that Tannehill and Lamar Jackson were going to have good playoff matchups, and knowing that Jalen, now he wouldn't have known, but he would have had Jalen Hurts for this whole thing. He wouldn't have even tried. He would have been fine. But Dak got hurt. It's all Dak's fault. And other teams that were heavily reliant on Dak and his options wouldn't be in the position they were in either. So see that? A butterfly flaps his wings and, and some guy comes in Atlanta. That's all that it's, you don't know. It's sliding doors. It's a butterfly effect, bro. If Dak's not hurt, this is all good, baby. There's, no, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. We're going to heal and we're going to be fine. Anyways, uh, it's been a great year. If I don't talk to you, Merry Christmas. Enjoy the time off with your families. And actually, I got some presents for you. This year, after these stupid playoffs end, and hopefully Matt doesn't win, we will be coming back with two podcasts back-to-back. The first of which, we're redrafting the 2019 rookie draft, and the second, we're redrafting 2020. And I will tell you, based on positional value and how guys changed, how you did, how you did. It'll be fun. 
And I thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to seeing you later. Bye-bye.